Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. This is what we should think about. Even as Christians listening to this music, it's not just music that functions in one single way. It's supposed to be music, we've talked about this before, it's supposed to be music that really makes us focus on Christ. And that relationship that we have with a spouse is also about the relationship that God has with us. And so this is not outside of the realm of our Christian lives. This actually needs to be reinforced for us that we understand the relationship Christ has with us as he has with his bride. And so those of us who are married, we have that same kind of understanding. We need to think about that, that the love we have for our spouses is similar to the love that Christ, that God has for us, the church. Hi, I'm Mike Tom. Colleen Hood is away today. Do love songs have any place in Christian music? That's the question we're going to ask and try to answer today. Dr. Nicholas Greco will join us. He's a professor of communications at Providence University College and Theological Seminary. He's also written books talking about religion and popular culture. It's a great discussion coming up today on Connections. So we're really happy to have Dr. Nicholas Greco back from Providence University College and Theological Seminary. Some great discussions on the Connections podcast in the past that we've had, talking about uh, Christian music and kind of its ties with popular culture and where are certain boundary lines. And today we're going to really explore those boundary lines, talking about Christian music and love songs. Um And this is something that I hadn't really thought about much before until this last year when we kind of got a Christian love song that we started playing. Uh, So, Dr. Greco, have you thought before about Christian love songs? Mike, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, I have thought about Christian love songs before, so I'm looking forward to this conversation and see where we come up, where we come up with. Do do any jump out to you uh, like from the past? Did any songs come to mind right away? Like, oh, this is a good one. That was a good one because I don't know. I kind of didn't know any uh, when I started thinking about this. Okay, so yes, uh, that's 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 a great question to ask because I've got a great answer for you. Uh, from my younger days, uh, I'm 48 now, and so I listened to a lot of Amy Grant in the early 1990s. And Amy Grant had an album called Heart in Motion, released in 1991. And the title, uh, not the title track, the first single from that album was called Baby Baby. Baby And it was was a a massive love song. Uh, In fact, there was a lot of controversy around that song because in the music video, Amy Grant was dancing with somebody who was obviously not her husband at the time. And so that's a prime example of a love song uh, showing up within Christian music. So this is very interesting because it sparks from a Canadian artist that, well, he gets a lot of play all over North America now, Dan Bremness. And we started within the last year playing a single from him called Run Away With Me. And I thought nothing of it. I listened to it and uh, me and others talked about it. We decided to play it. And I could tell, well, he's singing a song to his wife, right? And so it's like, oh, this is great. Sure. Uh, but within, yeah, a couple of weeks, we started getting phone calls. Why are you playing a song where a guy is telling a woman to run away with him? <laughs> have you heard the well, song? Did you, I, you I have heard the song. I, wa- I watched the music video online. Uh, and so the video goes at great lengths to explain what was going on. 
And in fact, it seems to hit you over the head with the explanation of what this is all about. This is about dreaming during COVID. And in fact, the video is him and his wife, I assume, uh, rollicking around, frolicking around, I should say, in the uh, in in a at a private island someplace off of Belize, and and I, I kind of laughed at that because it's a uh, because it's it's just so blatant that this is a love song, but it's a love song to his wife. He wants to make it clear in the music video that that's what this is, and that yeah. we are all free to dream, if you will. Um, uh, about whatever we want to dream about and in, in terms of what you know vacationing in belize with one's wife uh yeah. so i thought i felt that that was quite quite humorous actually and that's a perfect explanation in fact we got to talk to dan and on the, an earlier episode of the connections podcast and so i asked dan about that so i'm gonna let you listen to his response and let everybody else I asked, uh, tell me about the song, where the inspiration came from. And then he went a little bit further as well. So here comes his explanation. Let me know if you have any issues hearing it. Sure. That was one of those songs um, at that time, you know, where we sort of, I was with a few friends to, and we were writing. And we're like, what should we write today? And, and we were all just like, man, it's, everything's canceled at the moment. Um, we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. And we're like, let's 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 sort of find some hope. Like, you know, this is this if if any time is the time to dream, it's now. So we were sort of like, what? Where would we go if we could? You know, and we're all married, so we're like, where would we take our wife if we could take our wife anywhere right now? Let, let's just dream a little bit uh, in this sort of dark moment. And that's where it came from. And we just sort of like, we all threw up things. I was like, well, I'd I'd go to a private island and. And my other friend was like, well, I, I had a canceled trip to Machu Picchu for my 40th. And the other guy was like, well, I've never been to London, so that'd be fun. So we just started taking all these dreams and ideas and throwing it into a song. And and um, I guess the idea behind it was to sort of like just create a bit, little bit of a sparkle um, in the in the midst of a dark time for, for people that were feeling the same way we were. Um, I had a few people at first ask me like, what's this song you're playing? Like this guy's trying to tell a woman to run away with him. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, I'm sure that if we listen, it's, there's probably more meaning to it. So (laughs) funny. I didn't even know that that got played on the, on the Christian, on Christian radio. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) I was like on there. We, we put it on like the, uh, the place where radio stations can see it and download it. Cause the, uh, wanted to make it available for any station that wanted to, Um, but I didn't expect Christian radio stations to play it. (laughs) That's funny. It's clean. It's fine. You know, it's good. I don't know if you know the story of Dave Barnes who wrote that song, God Gave Me You. It's a, it's a, it's a love song. Mm, And they released it to Christian radio, at least in the United States. And, uh, and then Blake Shelton happened to hear it while he was driving in his car. He's flipping through stations, and then that's how Blake Shelton decided to cut the song, and it became a, a worldwide smash. So, you know, I think there's a place for a good love song on Christian radio. <laughs> Dan Bremness thinks there is a place for a good so- love song on Christian radio, <laughs> but he didn't actually give it to us. We just all took it because he's a Canadian boy, and we're desperate for CanCon all the time. So. Right, you need to fulfill your thirty percent or whatever it is uh, for uh, it. Canadian content regulations. I, you know what? Uh, it's it's really an interesting thing. We we we. This is not new. So as I've suggested, you know, Amy Grant was a was a sort of a locus for this kind of 
of uh, controversy in the past with her love songs. But you know what? Love songs in Christian in the Christian world go back pretty far. I mean, if you look at even our Old Testament, you've got the whole Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, as it's sometimes called. That is a love song. I mean, how far is is uh, come away with me from from sort of some of those verses? You know, arise, my love, and come away. I mean, that sort of that language is biblical language, in fact, and especially within the covenant of marriage. Uh, it's it's it, it seems to fit quite well. Now, I should mention one other quick thing is that songs don't always mean what we think they mean. That's right. that's the other thing is that we we you know we we hear a song by a singer and it's it's not necessarily that Dan was even speaking about the relationship with his wife. I mean, we we've asked him and he said yes, that's what's happened. But that doesn't mean that that's what's happening all the time when we hear some of these songs. We just have to remember that. Yeah, there's poetry, there's imagery at work, right? Like there's a lot of meaning that can be taking place in different songs, right? It could be somebody For using sure. God as an example. Of course. And and so I think, I mean, in some ways we, I'm thinking back to a, a an interview that Lady Gaga did with, with, um, with Anderson Cooper a number of years ago. And I know this is a bit off, but just bear with me here. <laughs> okay. Um, she she she's talking with Anderson Cooper and she says she says um, that people take me too seriously or they don't take me seriously enough. And I think that's a nice little microcosm about how we look at things like popular music artifacts like this song by Dan Bremnes. Uh, we either take it too seriously by saying, oh, this is about somebody that's not his wife or whatever. This is a love song or we don't take it seriously enough in that. It's saying something that's important for us to understand, maybe something about the nature of the human condition. This is what we should think about. Even as Christians listening to this music, it's not just music that functions in one single way. It's supposed to be music. We've talked about this before. It's supposed to be music that really makes us focus on Christ. And that relationship that we have with a spouse is also about the relationship that God has with us. And so this is not outside of the realm of our Christian lives. This actually needs to be reinforced for us, that we understand the relationship Christ has with us as he has with his bride. And so those of us who are married, we have that same kind of understanding. We need to think about that, that the love we have for our spouses is similar to the love that Christ, that God has for us, the church. Yeah. And in that song, you hear about the love that he has for his spouse, right? You hear Dan's love for his spouse coming through. And I was really struck, you know, like, I mean, I understand people's concern, uh, especially Christian radio. You're driving with your kids. You expect a safe song after safe song after safe song to come on. And then you hear a song about a guy inviting a woman to run away to a deserted island. It's just the two of them. Um, But one of the things that kind of, well, kind of made me giggle. Like, I, I understand their concerns. I was very open to, I'm always open to critique and to learn and sure. to grow, to be thoughtful. But one of the things that made me giggle is there's so much noise about godly biblical marriages. That seems to be our go-to phrase, right? We need biblical marriages. We need godly marriages that are like, well, here we have a guy in a godly biblical marriage singing about it and his passion for his wife, whom he obviously adores, and now we're going to get upset at him for singing about it. So what? <laughs> you know, that's that's a good point, Mike. I think that as Christians, we need to 
We need to stand up for the sanctity of marriage everywhere. So we we are very, it's easy for us to be vocal about what marriage means outside of the church, right? So we mm-hmm. tell other people, this is what marriage is. And we do that based on principles that we believe are are Christian principles. So we're really comfortable at doing that. But within the church, we don't necessarily do that. This is why I really appreciate some Christian traditions that look at marriage as a sacrament. That is, it is a way for God's grace to be imparted to people. I really like that idea because marriage in that context is much more than a legal arrangement. It is literally in front of God, but God works through that marriage in a a really, um, I mean, it's an esoteric thing, but it's, it's, it's firm. God is working in that relationship because it's a sacrament. It's a way that God shows grace to the world. And I think that's important for us as Christians to remember and to understand that we can defend marriage to the world, but we almost we also should defend it to ourselves. The sanctity of marriage, I think Christians have not mm. done a very good job at protecting that sanctity within our walls. We we surely tell other people about it, but we don't do that great of a job within our walls. So this song actually points to that. And I think that's a good thing. And marriage is sacrament. That, that's and a way of experiencing God's grace. That sounds like something worthy of singing about, doesn't it? <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. You mentioned um, Song of Solomon's earlier. And I was just thinking, you know, as you mentioned that, I kind of giggled to myself because actually, like, I'm no Hebrew expert, but I trust some of my professors that I've had in the past, right? And stuff. Um, and Song of Solomon's, when we read it in English, I don't know if whitewashed is the right term, but it's fairly tame in English as what it would have been to the original readers of the original Hebrew. Like, it's quite. It's quite explicit, I guess, in a lot of ways often, isn't it? Well, you know, there are descriptions within the text that are somewhat explicit. And I could imagine that parents, if they were going to be very, very strict with their children, they would not want them to take a look at some of the passages there because they are, I mean, they're they're tame perhaps, you know, compared to some films that might be R-rated or whatever. But there right. is still this comparison between, you know, anatomical parts and, and clusters of grapes. You know, that this kind of thing, it's it's not a tame text. It, you know, C.S. Lewis, right, talks about Aslan the lion and says he's good, but he's not necessarily a tame lion, right? And I think <laughs> yeah. the text is like that, too. It's good, but it's not necessarily tame. It is fundamentally good. And I think we need to tell ourselves that these kinds of relationships, marriage relationships, romantic relationships are good. It's not bad. It's good. And the more that we see these kinds of examples of good relationships, the more it should reinforce us in our own relationships. And of course, for our young people to see good relationships, that's different than what they might see in other popular music, which is a lot of misogyny violence against spouses and partners Mm. this is not the kinds of things that we want to promote so i think it's good that you're playing dan bremness why not it's a good song right uh and i also think it's good especially as a former youth pastor uh when we get things like this from a christian perspective that force us as parents to open up new conversations with our kids like i think that's a great thing so Again, I'm not downplaying sure, people's sure. concerns that are concerned. I understand them and I'm, I thank them for, well, I'm really thank them for starting this conversation for me. I love conversations like this, right? And I'm 
looking forward to having them with my own children one day in a very open and honest way. For sure. I think that the concerns that parents and listeners have brought up are excellent concerns because they begin that conversation. And so it's always good to criticize, be critical of what we're listening to. That's perfect. I mean, at Providence, we try to teach people to be critical thinkers. It means that we're not just robots taking in what we're hearing. We're actually engaging with that material. And I think this is a great example of listeners engaging with that material. I just encourage them to just go that next step and think about how they're engaging with that material and thinking about why perhaps they have that sort of visceral reaction against it if that's if that's what they in fact experience. Yeah, ways I always learned and grew the most in my theological studies was reading books from theologians that I disagreed with. Why? Because it forced me to stop, think, discuss with others. And it solidified my position, right? And you had to For think. Sure. Yeah. As one of my of professors course. said, think, boy, think. Because <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> always the best thinker. So. <laughs> yeah, we don't um, always think. And so it's good for us to do this every once in a while. Yeah. One of the other things that I was thinking is so like, yeah, does every song that a Christian radio station plays, does it have to specifically, I guess, be about Jesus or about God only and mention them by name? But you've you've kind of answered that in other ways, too. Like a godly marriage is an experience of God within the marriage and God's grace within the marriage. Like, where's the line, though? Like, can a Christian artist sing about anything, I guess? You know, I'm looking out at uh, behind me is a large window. And if I look out that window, I'll see a bunch of trees. Those trees are not Jesus. Um, Those are just trees, except that they are part of what we consider general revelation and that they reveal to us the wonders of God's creation. And so those trees, if I was to write a song about those trees, they in fact reveal to me God's creation and the wonders of God. So if I'm singing about trees, that is fundamentally a Christian idea. So I, I, again, think about what I what I said about Lady Gaga just just for a minute here about not taking her seriously, but then on the other hand, not taking her seriously enough. I think we need to look at the kinds of things that we're singing about and understand that God is not limited to talk about God. <laughs> you know, Jesus is not limited to us just talking about Jesus. Jesus is with us all the time in all of the situations that we are in. And so I think that there is room for us to speak about the human condition and the human experience and and know that God is there. Just another point that's sort of off off offside here but but I think it works. Um my my family has gone through a bit of a, a struggle in the last few weeks where my mother-in-law was quite sick. And when she entered the hospital, my father-in-law told her, you're in the right place, not only because she was being cared for medically, but because where the suffering are, that is where Jesus is. And so why aren't there so many songs about suffering that talk yes. about our suffering? Because Jesus is there with those who suffer. And I think that this is what we need to understand. Jesus is not only there when we call upon him or, or, you know, evoke Christ by saying, Jesus, be with us. Jesus is with us. And I think songs can actually reflect that. Okay, I have on our list of future episode ideas, why don't we have more songs of lament in modern worship? So we'll get you back for that conversation as well. Of course, I'd be glad to be there for that conversation. And getting ready for this conversation was actually making me think of modern worship too, And it's like, well, if we're going to say, no, you can't sing love songs 
then we also have to do away with like half the worship songs we have in church because a lot of them aren't actually worship songs. They're songs about how God makes us feel a lot of them, right? So. <laughs> well, I think that's the other criticism of, of some worship songs is that they sound too much like love songs. And I suspect right. that what is happening is that they, they take a cue from secular popular music, which, which for the most part deals with, with sort of love uh, and and if you want to call it lust or or sort of carnal desire, there's a lot of that in secular love songs, secular popular music. And so I think our modern worship music takes some of its cues from that and then transforms all of these songs into love songs. That's not necessarily a problem. I think some people criticize it because it sounds way too much like our secular songs where you just sort of take a couple lines and change them to Jesus and then you're good to go. So maybe there needs to be a little more thoughtfulness in how we sing to God when we're worshiping rather than just taking sort of what, what may be physical, physical love songs and actually transforming them into something that's a little more meaningful for us as we, as we worship God. But, but you're right. It's a good point. Why is it that we're allowed to sing? Well, I'll tell you why it's because those songs are geared towards our love of God. We, Mm -hmm. we, we, we want to replace our loves and desires that we have on earth with that greater love, if you will, of of god and the things of god it's this idea you know don't don't gather too many rewards here on earth because you're going to heaven ultimately that that makes sense and and uh, it's true um but don't forget that we have to live our lives here as well and so so our life has to be of course always thinking about the future but we need to find some sort of uh happiness while we're here on earth and so i guess i'm just saying that our desires our loves and so on all of those things can be expressed whether it be in popular music or whether it be in worship music, we just have to perhaps be careful as we worship God not to physicalize that relationship too much because it's not a relationship that is physical. So, I could have a discussion on this for a week. We should have just done like a week of these episodes. I, I, I don't next know, time, I Mike, ex- next time. Right? I'm open to it. So next time. I get excited about... I don't know, just thinking about our faith, right? Like it forces us to think. So again, I thank everybody that uh, wrote in uh, the few people that uh, asked about it. I guess a good reminder in all this too, is it's a good reminder for us when we hear a brother or sister in Christ doing something that we disagree with, maybe pause, slow down, go to them, ask them, hey, what's up with this thing that you did? Am I understanding correctly? Before we go and blast them in public, which nobody that reached out to me did, right? I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> right. For sure. It is good to begin conversations with us as, as the body of Christ. It is our job not to cut each other down, but to build each other up. And I think that this is one example of us building each other up and showing that Dan's song is a good one. It's a good song and one that should be played. Any other thoughts that you had before we let you go, Dr. Greco? I, you know, I love these conversations because they bring to the fore our listening habits, the ways that we engage with our media. And I think that's so important. And so I thank you for bringing this topic up. And of course, I thank your listeners again for actually engaging with the station and with the music and thinking about why it is good or not. So this is, these are great conversations to have. That's a great point. Actually, it shows like they are thinking critically like about what they're hearing. Whoa, what was that? And they've reached yeah. out for clarification, right? And that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, anywhere that we can like see what you're up to lately or. I think the easiest way to see what I'm up to is to go to the Providence website at prov.ca and you'll see 
what's going on at Providence. I'm heavily invested in what's happening here and looking forward to students coming uh, in the fall. So that's probably where you can find me. I don't have a website anymore. I am on Twitter, but I don't post all that much. Um, but in any case, uh, you could find me if you need to find me. Right on. Thank you, Dr. Greco. And yes, hopefully we'll talk to you in the next month or two about lament in worship. Very good. I look forward to speaking with you and thank you for having me on today. You're very welcome. Love this conversation and would love to keep it going too. What do you think? You could chime in with your thoughts, join in the conversation. You can comment on our posts on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for us, Connections with Colleen Hood and Mike Tom. And don't forget, subscribe and follow to the podcast. And it would mean a lot to us if you left a rating. It makes it easier for other people to find us too, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. We'll talk to you again on Connections.